Hey, welcome back. This is part two of our two-part series reviewing the January 2019 ACOG Practice Bulletin on Chronic Hypertension in Pregnancy. This podcast has several clinical pearls, so get ready to begin now. All right, now before we dive into the medical control of chronic hypertension in pregnancy, we have to remind ourselves about the use of low-dose aspirin for preeclampsia prevention because it applies to women with a diagnosis of chronic hypertension. Evidence suggesting that an imbalance in prostacyclin and thromboxin A2 metabolism is involved in the development of preeclampsia prompted interest in the study of aspirin for preeclampsia prevention because of its preferential inhibition of thromboxane at lower dosages. Low doses of aspirin also inhibits platelet aggregation. The 2014 U.S. Preventative Service Task Force Guidelines on Low-Dose Aspirin for the Prevention of Preeclampsia concluded with moderate certainty that there are benefits for this intervention at women at high risk of preeclampsia without evidence of adverse effects of the medication. The recent American College of OBGYNs recommends for women at high risk for preeclampsia to start treatment with 81 milligrams daily between 12 weeks and 28 weeks of pregnancy and to continue all the way until delivery. Interestingly, however, treatment after 28 weeks of gestation is unlikely to be beneficial, so it's important to start early. Low-dose aspirin should not be used, of course, in women with risk factors for GI hemorrhage like bleeding disorders or peptic ulcer disease. All right, now on to blood pressure control in pregnancy. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Controversy exists over the potential benefits and harms of treatment initiation with antihypertensive drug therapy during pregnancy. The benefits of blood pressure treatment for the pregnant woman to achieve targets that are recommended for non-pregnant adults, like keeping the blood pressure under 140 over 90, may not be apparent nor needed during the short time frame of pregnancy treatment. Additionally, in women who get pregnant who are already on antihypertensive meds, there are minimal data to guide decisions regarding continuing them or discontinuing therapy for women with chronic hypertension who have blood pressure less than 160 systolic or less than 110 diastolic or for those who have well-controlled hypertension. Now, we're going to get into these target ranges a little bit later in the podcast. All right, we have to review this whole topic of tight control of blood pressure. A 2014 Cochrane systematic review of 49 trials concluded that treatment of mild to moderate hypertension in pregnancy reduced the risk of developing severe hypertension but had no effect on the incidence of preeclampsia, preterm birth, fetal death, fetal growth restriction, or any other measured outcome. 
Notably, the theoretical concern of fetal harm, primarily by growth restriction, from the use of antihypertensive medications was also not verified. However, in the absence of any improvement in perinatal outcomes, the authors of the review concluded that it remains unclear whether antihypertensive drug therapy for mild to moderate hypertension during pregnancy is worthwhile. The 2015 CHIPS trial, an international randomized controlled trial comparing less tight control to tight control, also reached similar conclusions. So, according to ACOG, in the absence of clear evidence supporting the use of antihypertensive therapy for lower blood pressures, initiation of antihypertensive therapy is recommended for persistent chronic hypertension when the systolic pressure is 160 or more or the diastolic is 110 or more. However, of course, in the setting of comorbidities or underlying impaired renal function, treating at lower blood pressures may be appropriate. All right, so here's a clinical pearl for blood pressure medication and target ranges in pregnancy. Overly aggressive blood pressure lowering is discouraged because of concerns that uteroplacental blood flow may be compromised. It is recommended to maintain blood pressure levels for pregnant women with chronic hypertension who are treated with antihypertensive medications at above 120 but below 160 systolic and above 80 millimeters of mercury but below 110 diastolic. So those are the target ranges for chronic hypertension in pregnancy. For women with comorbid conditions such as diabetes or renal disease, blood pressure goals should be lower as noted previously and the optimal management can be achieved in consultation with other subspecialties like internal medicine. All right, now let's get into intrapartum care and delivery timing. Now, there's actually a lack of reliable clinical data to guide decisions about the timing of delivery in women with chronic hypertension. A small clinical trial has suggested that the risk of adverse perinatal outcomes in women with chronic hypertension without any obstetric complications is similar to the risk among women without chronic hypertension. Moreover, a cohort study of women with chronic hypertension found that delivery at 38 weeks and 0 days to 39 weeks and 6 days was optimal for balancing fetal and neonatal risks. Other publications have also endorsed delivery from 38 weeks and 0 days to 39 weeks and 6 days for women with chronic hypertension who are not prescribed medication or from 37 weeks and 0 days to 39 weeks and 6 for women whose chronic hypertension is well controlled with medication. So based on this, the earlier gestational age in the suggested range for timing of delivery for women at term depends on the use of maintenance antihypertensive therapy. So that's a clinical pearl. For women with chronic hypertension and with no additional maternal or fetal complications supporting earlier delivery, if they are not under antihypertensive medication care, then delivery before 38 weeks is not recommended. For women with chronic hypertension and no additional maternal or fetal complications, if prescribed maintenance antihypertensive meds, then delivery before 37 weeks is not recommended, but 37-week delivery is allowed. In other words, if they require antihypertensive therapy during the pregnancy, then deliver at 37 weeks. Patients with hypertension that is difficult to control, like those requiring frequent maintenance adjustments, may require earlier delivery in the late preterm period.
Now remember that those delivery timing goals are for women without superimposed preeclampsia. But in women with superimposed preeclampsia who do not have severe features and who have stable maternal and fetal conditions, expectant management until 37 weeks and zero days with close maternal and fetal surveillance is suggested. Of course, if superimposed preeclampsia has any severe features, then earlier delivery may be warranted. All right, let's wrap up this podcast with a quick word about postpartum pain control. Overall, data do support the safe use of NSAIDs in postpartum patients with blood pressure issues. In a randomized trial comparing the use of ibuprofen to acetaminophen in postpartum patients with preeclampsia with severe features, ibuprofen did not lengthen the duration of severe range of blood pressures. Additionally, in a cohort of over 300 patients with preeclampsia with severe features, there was no association of NSAID use with postpartum blood pressure elevation. Further, another cohort study of postpartum patients on magnesium for seizure prophylaxis for preeclampsia did not show differences in blood pressure, antihypertensive med requirements, or other adverse events for patients who were managed with NSAIDs in the postpartum period. Now, here's another clinical pearl. Antihypertensive medications may be used much more liberally in the postpartum period than during pregnancy because we don't have to worry about potential effects on uteroplacental blood flow. Blood pressure parameters to guide medication dosage in the postpartum period should be adjusted given that there's no longer fetal considerations. So, the goal should be set at a lower blood pressure range in the postpartum period. But remember that methyl dopa should be avoided in the postpartum period because it has been associated with depression and the postpartum period is already characterized by increased vulnerability to depression. All right. That wraps up our review of the January 2019 practice bulletin and update on chronic hypertension in pregnancy. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Clinical Pearls.